On our election day special, this is another episode of Zoomtown. I'm your host. I almost said Tim. I'm Travis. You're Tim. I'm Tim. Get a little more excited. Why? Because it's election day in Missoula, Montana. That is Zoomtown, and we have a guest with us. Roy's on the microphone. Hello. Yay! Um, I was very excited to have a threesome actually today. We've been trying to get a threesome going for a while. Um, and the last one went bad. <laughs> the, which oh, which just threesome? Just think of the Jacob Elder one. Was that a threesome? Yeah, I guess no, that was. No, I, I wasn't on the mic, but I was here. That was before we were getting you uh, more directly involved in talking and ranting. But but since we've been doing that um, in our election analysis, as we've been doing this week after week, month after month, um, trying to bring a level of sort of awareness that really isn't represented in legacy media, from my perspective anyways. Um, and it's been very fun, actually, to be doing this week after week, because I think we are hopefully filling a niche that is um, really out there not being addressed by the loss of the Missoula Independence. Um, I mean, there's a lot of loss out there. Um, and it's interesting because Day of the Dead was yesterday going through today. Um, if you look in the studio here at the Zootown Arts Community Center, where I'm at, there's Day of the Dead visual stuff uh, around my, my office. Because once upon a time, we had a parade in, in this town um, year after year for many years, going on like 25 years. Um, and then it all came to a stop in 2017, I believe, when the Wokus, um were sort of early in their power grab. Um, the Wokus, uh, led by some indigenous people who are not Mexican and a white guy named Tobin from the University of Montana, who actually my dad is friends with because this is a small fucking town. Um, the Wokus killed it. They killed the Day of the Dead. Irony alerts. <laughs> and, and it's been dead since then. Um, and so opportunities like I had to talk to my kids about death. Kind of like the you know the spirit of what the the whole event is you know this time to reflect to honor the people that have um, passed away, um, but you know the wokists want to go throw themselves in with the transhumanists and end death and live forever, um, feasting on young blood. So cool that they can do that if they want. Um, but now I guess we're going to be building a parallel society because. At this point, I don't know how we're going to get along with people that are infiltrating churches where I am going to um, understand what my options are as a parent of three kids in a school um, where they are still masked every day. Don't worry. No, all these little germ they're masked. Just, just because there's House Bill 702 signed into law by our governor doesn't mean that my kids aren't masked every fucking day. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Um, and I didn't mean for this intro to be so long, but it kind of is going that way. But um, we are going to be talking Why about... Why don't you introduce Roy and say who he is? If people don't know who we're talking to or hear whose voice it's going to be, it'll at least let them know. That is a fantastic <laughs> idea. And Tim, this is why you were on the other side of this table. So Roy McKenzie is with us. Roy, I'm so glad you decided to join our fun duo here and make it a threesome. Yeah. Um, but Roy, why don't you talk and introduce yourself? I, I've talked too much already. Yeah, sure. Um my name is Roy McKenzie. I, I moved to uh, Missoula about three years ago, and um, I got connected with uh, Travis. You, you guys, I got connected with you guys uh, probably over my work with Missoula County Tyranny, uh, which is a, a blog that I run. 
that that I started in January that kind of just covers um, uh, the stuff happening from the Missoula County Health Department regarding COVID and um, the uh, 4,592 ballots that don't have matching signature envelopes um, at the Missoula County Elections Department. So that's kind of, you know, I, I, uh, I cover that stuff there. And, and then I met you guys and, and you guys, you know, are, are talk, doing local news in Missoula. And, and I love that. So thanks for having me on. Oh, man, I was, I was so excited when I realized there was another blog in the neighborhood. <laughs> Uh, Missoula County Tyranny, um, as you say, uh, started January, and was that 2020 or 2021? 2021. Oh, so, so January 2021, and honestly, you know, quite a big splash from the fact that, that there's people I talk to in person that are aware um, and know and actually ask me if I know you. Um, and it's, <laughs> so it's been really interesting to, to be making new connections with people. Um, the Montana blogosphere, for, for many years, I was, um, I don't know if people know this or if I've mentioned it too much, um, on the podcast, but you know, I was a progressive writing under the name lizard at four and 20 blackbirds. And so the Montana blogosphere was very heavily dominated by progressive voices. Um, there weren't too many conservative voices back then. Um, but really I, I feel like part of the benefit of the conversations that Tim and I have been having is that, um, we're all to a certain extent kind of pariahs from maybe the more mainstream corporate sense of the national party identity, um, and my interest has been making connections locally to understand the local politics. So um, city council, you know, county, sheriff, county attorney, um, school boards. And our first conversation is, is really a, it's a developing story. Um, Roy, one of the things I appreciate about Missoula County tyranny is that um, you really have invested in trying to be uh, have a, an objective voice, right? Um, you know, really fact-based, use the, the data that's been released by Department of Health and Human Services. Um, when we were having some of our early conversations, because I was eager to be a contributor, and I did have one piece um, that, Thank you. that was about the, the $100 gift cards being the incentive to remove the Cedar Street homeless camp, and and part of that had a lot of tra uh, traffic too. That was a lot of traffic Yay. that came to that. So thank you for contributing. Well, I took my citizen journalism and you know had this tip, and then I went and confirmed it with a source. Um, and I don't always do those kind of things because I told you pretty upfront that I'm kind of gonzo. Mm -hmm. um, in in a lot of ways, I, I had to look that up yeah, when you told me gonzo journalism. Well, Hunter S. Thompson, I have a lot of different ideas about now, but um, you know when I was interested in fear and loathing in Las Vegas and his covering of politics in 1972 on the Nixon campaign, mm. um, you know he was a part really of of the story. He included himself as a part of the story, and so he like the New York Times now, abandoned objectivity. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, you know, in this sort of wokest culture now with uh, the liberal establishment media, it seems like they have also gone gonzo. But they, and they're, I was going to mm. say they don't admit it, but there have been some pretty prominent op-eds um, that really do indicate that there is activist journalism now on the legacy corporate media front. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of acknowledge that I will be a, a p potential part of some of these stories that I'm discussing. And so last night... Um, as a parent of three kids that go to target range, 13-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 5-year-old, I went to Cross Point Church because Elsie Artson was there. And I wanted to be not just an observer, um, but I like to be an active participant in these conversations because of my unique knowledge, having worked 10 years in the nonprofit sector in Missoula, um, at the Pavarello Center in Aging Services, and then my new mm. role as a citizen journalist. And so, um, you know, Elsie Artson last night, 
did an amazing job doing her job and representing school board members, representing teachers, uh, talking over and over again about finding middle ground, not reverting to an us versus them mentality. Mm. That's what she has to do. Um, and she did her job well. Um, Cross Point Church, you know, if you enter a church, uh, private property, they can make requests, right? Um, there is a, a request to not be recording, uh, using recording devices in the church. Um, one of the things that I noticed uh, was a gentleman in a mask leaving Cross Point Church, and I recognized him because his name is Danny Tenenbaum. Um, and Danny got on my on my radar, like I wrote about in my blog, which we'll have notes in the show notes in the podcast podcast link. Um, but Danny got on my radar because as a as a fresh state state legislator, he brought attention to a situation in which an Alzheimer's patient ended up in Warm Springs, so our our state hospital. Having really been on the front lines of seeing the intersection of, you know, cognitive issues with Alzheimer's related, you know, dementia diagnoses and, and how some of these difficult cases balance between like homeless shelters and state hospitals. I reached out to Danny and talked to him on the phone. I've since seen him in person and introduced myself to him. Um, but that was really before. I understood that he had worked um, at Homeland Security with the refugee program. Um, he moved here from New York. He's part of the Rattlesnake uh, leadership team, which uh, maybe he helped secure $200,000 in Missoula redevelopment money. Um, so the trains won't terrorize the poor, wealthy people in the Rattlesnake neighborhood. So Danny decided to leave the enclave of Rattlesnake, where they have quieter like wayside horns. I don't know what the fuck that means. But the um, $200,000 can get you some fucking wayside horns. So now, Danny, having rested and getting some better sleep, um, can can go and put on his mask and go into Cross Point Church and, and look for Elsie Artson to maybe say something. Is she in cahoots with Austin Knutson? Are they going <laughs> to do something? They might do a memo. Wait, wait, are these parents it's talking crazy. about using... Wait, these parents are talking about... Going and getting elected on the school board in yep. spring. Oh my god! So um, I, I'm being sarcastic because I'm, you know, I, I don't want to revert to like you know, name calling and I don't profanity think you're far too off much. The mark, to be honest. But that was my dramatic rendition of what Danny Tenenbaum was doing at Cross Point Church because he certainly wasn't going there to just listen. Um, he was going there to try and find a gotcha moment. And it's, it's just fascinating to me because, you know, Montana Human Rights Network is another organization that wants to basically say anytime church people get together, it's a militia uprising tantamount to January 6th, right? And I've been trying to get the Montana Human Rights Network to care about dead black people in Missoula, and it's been fucking difficult, which is weird. It's weird because they're very busy actually using one of their interns named Maggie Bornstein, um, who took information from her internship and wrote a public letter against Jacob Elder, who is our mayor candidate trying to unseat John Engen today. So to bring it back to our mayor um, showdown and the municipal races, um, it's just it's fascinating to me that our state legislators, our nonprofits like Montana Human Rights Network can be so focused on people like me, parents like me, while there are dead black people that still like haven't been really um, explained how they became dead, like Johnny Lee Perry, you know, dead, August 29th, shot by sheriff deputies. Do you know what? No names released yet Did from the sheriff's department. Did you find out if uh, the Jade person was the same one that was killed? No, I, I think um, I was telling a story uh, previously to you about the this native guy. Um, he died uh, around March of 2016, so okay. around the same time that my my little girl was born. Um, he was a pretty notorious native on the streets, um, and it's it's just a, it's, it's it's an interesting situation. I think um, I don't know if anyone saw the video I posted today, and it's a little montage. Um, I, I play a little piano riff, 
Okay. Mm. And so, and it opens up with this beautiful empty field that Stockman's bank is going to be financing the project where uh, it's out by Kelly Island. So kind of by the trough in the target range area, Gotcha. kind of where one okay. of the, one of the three car chases last week ended with the dude in the pond dine, you know, fucking Missoula. Right. right. So, um, but it's interesting because the video I posted then shifts from this beautiful idyllic mountain scenery to a car burning. So this car got torched Halloween day um, at the POV on Hawthorne Street, which is like meth dealer hooker row, right? Yeah. Um, and it's, it goes to that video. And then uh, there's some other footage that I decided to post the sort of the, the full the full video of Johnny is on there. And then what else is on there? Brandon Bryant has this um, this video uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, that was before he got arrested. So he actually recorded this with his phone. Mm. Um, did an interview with, uh, I think it's soapbox and a couple days before he ended up being arrested for felony intimidation charges. And so all kinds of fun and exciting things going on. But, um, again, I've been talking for a long time. If anyone wants to opine on w whether or not it's, it's constructive for state legislators to bring their little secret phones into cross point church, you know, what do you think about that? You were kind of looking into to Danny Doodoo. You know, one of my the, nickname for him. <laughs> it, it's so hard to take a look at the landscape currently and make what I would consider a good judgment. I think that's, you know, we have the election in Virginia going on today. That sounds too fair. That appears very close. Um, and and this is this is something I get really frustrated with is the the, the kind of the shit I don't like about the left and their like smugness, elitistness, they don't need to follow the rules, they're better than that. Anything is completely justified as long as it meets their end goals. And and there's some on the right who do that. You know, I can't listen to Dan Bongino or Dan, I like to listen to talk radio when I come into town most days. And I just can't do it anymore because it's just insults. I'm like, I, 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 insults in certain, you know, circumstances are probably appropriate, but when it's 90% of your content, it's just not even fun to listen to. Uh, well, so, so, so well, here, here's some, here's some substance. Okay. The, the reason I say that is because it is so completely, if, if you take politics out of this, completely out of this for a man who, I mean, just looking at some of his bios and stuff, moved here from New York city, mm -hmm. appears to be of Jewish faith to go into a house of worship and there's a big sign in the front of it that says no video recording. This is private property. You are not allowed to record our citizens in mm -hmm. their house of worship. Anyone who rents this house of worship, you think someone would know a, a credentialed person with the bar association, a person who apparently last week was just sworn in as a tribal judge, even though he's a Jew from New York, but he's going right. to go run a tribal court in CKS. Okay, oh, whatever. wow. That was what you were talking about before we started recording. How what about this? representing communities? Why is he on the, why is he a I judge mean, on the court? I thought we should have local tribes, tribal people on the court. What, what's going on here? This is another contradiction of the liberals. And you know what? To be honest, the reason why he's doing this is probably very much related to the fact that the liberals have turned you know conservatives into literal terrorists so he yeah, absolutely he's doing the work of you know letting people know what's happening what these terrorists are doing so it's it's his duty to record and violate you know whatever policies the church sure. had or anything well he's, it looks like he's working right with the human rights network and the reason this is so uh 
this really pisses me off so much is when I was working on the six mil levy campaign, I would actually go and watch through videos of all their meetings and they would use public spaces at the universities. They would use all the people on public time as public employees. They, all this stuff was involved in them coming up with and running a political campaign for the six mil levy. Okay. I don't care what political party you are, are on either side of the thing, we all as taxpaying citizens believe that we're going to go pay to a system and that system is going to operate in the interests of the people who pay for it, not for a political party to gain advantage. And I'm sure that can be a whole blanket of things. But for, for me to have to be sit here and then actually, it, I'll tell the whole story because Dan Mangan, who's the political practices commissioner, took the complaint, investigated it and found that they were at fault and then fined them $2,000. OK, <laughs> and then one of the regents went back and sued and got a buddy, one of her judges in Billings to come up and say they overturned that because it was a violation of her personal uh, being able to participate in politics to say that when she was sitting on the board as a Montana regent making uh, decisions that were using taxpayer funds to run a political campaign that she was allowed to do that. So just explain to me how you can find every left-wing judge in the state and attorney say that when you're using the border regents to run a political campaign, that's completely okay, and they're allowed to, to exercise their political views that mm -hmm. way. But a, a private person in a church in Missoula is not allowed to just go and talk to somebody about something that's a business to the church. Elsie wasn't acting you know, explicitly in her time as the superintendent of public instruction. She was doing it as a private citizen this thing to is sort of explain it. And and it's made clear in, in the situation, it's made clear in the signage. And mm -hmm. where? how many well, more points can we go where we don't get it, to have the same rights this as This is them? downstream. We don't get to have privacy? This is totally downstream of what's happening in the national media. He is feeding into the national media narrative, trying to score points on Twitter more than anything. Why do you think he posted that on Twitter first instead of like actually like talking to maybe an attorney about it or something where he, he could have got some kind of recourse and concern about what Elsie's doing. Oh my gosh. Well, so let's, 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 let's discuss what one member of that, uh, of that group, um, stood up and asked Elsie because that was me. Mm. Yeah, that's right. I like to go places and I like to ask questions and Good. I stood up and I'm like, Elsie. And, um, I said that I didn't need a microphone because my voice is loud, but then they decided to give me one, and then I just felt even more at home. And and so with that microphone, I asked Elsie, um, and without using the specific name of the person, I asked Elsie, um, as a parent of three kids, um, you know, and they go to Target Range, which isn't directly under MCPS, but MCPS is the direction in which Target Range looks to for all mm -hmm. of their decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was curious on Ellie's perspective on how a um, school board member who also works at the United Way um, with that pre-K zero to five program can also brazenly be quoted in the Missoulian about the political activity she is directing through Facebook groups against Jacob Elder, again, mayor mm -hmm. candidate. Um, and so she was quoted in the Missoulian without any care that, 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 that really the, the perception and, and really, you know, in the, in the, um, school board, you know, guidance, you're not even supposed to create the perception of conflicts of interest. Right. And so if she's directing political activity and she's a, a mm -hmm. United way staff member and a school board member, you know, how is that allowed to stand? And, and some of the things that I heard from, um, the meeting that, um, that Danny was all secretly, you know, at, was that um, there's really no way to recall some, a school board member in Montana. Uh, when you see some of these videos that have gone viral of other states where there's been some successes by parents to uh, remove 
some of these board members that want to impose um, their opinions like on my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those successes I don't think are avenues that we have in Montana. And so what did us radical domestic terrorist parents discuss? We discussed getting elected to school board positions that will be open in spring. Oh, oh my, gosh. my gosh. That's terrible. That's literal violence. You cannot do that. That's violence. It's well, terrible. Okay, awful, this is one thing stuff. I think is happening right now in society is we have basically given the keys over to some of these people and trusted them with really essential parts of our democracy. Yep. We have given the keys over to the liberals to have all of public education from pre-K age four or five all the way up to 20, you know, any age you want to go to college. And, and we trusted that they would do the right thing. And it's become mm. completely evident that the people who we entrusted are gone now. And the people who are in there are the most power-hungry, ideologically rigid people. And they want those institutions to look like their so personal give credit, beliefs. So give credit where credit's due. One of the things that's been effective, um, and, and so one of the things also that I was interested in as a progressive was some of that environmentalism, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And you had this interesting split in the environmentalist movements here in Montana among the collaborators that went more of the corporate, let's just get along route. And then the the more effective ones that decided the collaboration was not something they wanted to engage with um, have really been effective in using the courts. Okay, They use the courts because the courts are avenues um, that our great country has given them to, um, to use in order to oftentimes win in court when the law is being violated. Right, And so Quentin Rhodes, um, who is represents me too? He's my lawyer. Um, was there last night to give an update on the on the case that was going on? And Are so, you going to talk about what we talked no, about? No, no, okay. no, no, um, I no. I prefer that individual no, thing. Not be no, 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 no. This is this is substantive updates, um, okay. and it should be noted um, that there was very clear and direct um, uh, language from Mr. Rhodes that um, he did not give consent to any audio recording. Um, from anyone in the in the audience. And so if there is any audio recordings, that is in direct violation um, of what this lawyer stated. He did not give consent, and I, I wouldn't want to be sued by him, so people should think about that. But um, what what he provided in an update, and, and I've given money to this to this effort in court um, to, to go after the mask mandate, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. And so uh, Mr. Rhodes gave an update that even though they lost that initial hearing, um, there is a stronger position in the appeal because the judge did not call into question the credibility of the experts, the medical right. experts that, oh, good. that they provided. And so Mr. Rhodes gave us um, a little bit of you know silver lining that um, the appeal process is made easier um, by that, uh, that, that choice. Uh, of the judge to not um, call into question the credibility of the experts. And so that, I mean, that was a, a possibility, apparently. Did he mention when the date of the uh, the hearing of the appeal would be? You know, initially what I read in the paper was like next April. And for someone that, you know, right. I mean, my kids luckily don't have migraines from the, the masks. They they aren't developing any anything that we know about right now from, from actually, you know, what's going on. Some parents, they have kids that are suffering physically from yeah. this. And so... Um, you know, and I say that because, you know, people might say, well, next April, you're going to get a hearing. Well, you know, some people are feeling a level of urgency it's, that if you don't yeah, have kids. So, so st- long out. I can't believe it. I, when, when I went to the actual hearing, they said, um, you know, the judge said, oh, we'll rule on the preliminary injunction that Quentin was asking against the mass mandates um, by the end of the week. But a trial is not going to be until next year. Well, so know. so there's there's a there's a parallel case in Bozeman, from my understanding, from what uh, Mr. Rhodes said, and that right. there's going to be an effort, I think, to consolidate those two cases. And oh, so okay. um, if the, I don't know if that if there's a um, some kind of, you know, effort to consolidate, if that can if 
asking for a, a quicker resolution can be a part of that, that be legal like a process. Class? Is this like a class action? I mean, it's, it seems like it's moving in that direction. And really part of the, the funding of this being a, a crowdfunding effort um, is because there are potentially going to be more parents um, getting more interested in being more active um, as they realize it's not just the masks. We now have five to 11-year-olds being targeted by yeah. Big Pharma. And I speak only for myself. My kids will not be jabbed by Big Pharma um, yeah. as long as I continue to have uh, my parental rights. Um, you well, know. it's a condition of, of removing the masks. According to the Missoula County Public Schools, they said that they're not going to be removing masks until a certain amount of the children are, uh, one, vaccinated, and two, immune. And, I, you know, the metrics for all of that it, were not given, and it's just... So, you know, I feel like that and the only go ahead. Yeah. Amy Life saying Jill Tabor provide, provided some updates on um, basically action steps people in the crowd can do to communicate with um, with Rob Watson and, and school board members. Hmm. Um, because there is so little being said about um, what conditions need to be met. Um, and, and some of those conditions do indicate that they're just waiting for vaccines to be available and then saying, you know, this is a requirement. And again, I mean, there are just too many parents that are, well, they did are not going to go adults. along with that. They did that with adults, though. As soon as they made the vaccines available, all the adults thought, OK, we can get rid of the mask mandates. We can get rid of all this ooh, stuff. Ooh, well, they're ooh. not going to do that with the kids. They're going to still put them in masks. No, So, so here, here's a very important thing that a, that a parent talked about last night that I'm just remembering, um, because the coercive soft power being employed right now is so fucking disgusting. Um, there is some kids and I can't remember which high school it is. Doesn't matter, but they are going to Hawaii potentially. Oh, in I saw spring. that letter. I've got it. Okay. So, so this is disgusting because what these parents are being told is these kids have to be vaccinated. And it's, it's not because of us. It's because Hawaii. Well, right. You know, I, I, this, I get a chance to talk about Monica Perez. Oh my God. So Monica Perez was just in Hawaii. Um, that's how I can like say, uh, no, you can go to Hawaii, not be vaccinated. Right. Monica Perez loves you her cocktails. Yeah. She loves her cocktails. And she was like adamant about not getting vaxxed. So, so she knew she would be denied entry into restaurants. It was right? the music department. Yep. Okay. Um, and, and so they are, it's, it's a form of misinformation from my perspective, um, to not, accurately describe the the uh, conditions and requirements that another state has for mm -hmm. entry into their state. Yeah. They are they are misinforming parents. It sounds like to me they're again, making it very opaque. They're not telling them, "Oh, there's another option here. Your student who's, you know, going on the Hawaii Spring Tour Pacific Basin Music Festival to Hawaii, he they don't need to be vaccinated actually. They could present a po uh, a negative, a negative COVID test, test within 3 days, right? Exactly. Yes. But the, there's no mention of the negative test in this two-page document from uh, Montegris, Jesse Docranol, Nancy Lab, and Kira Lee, who are who are part of the MCPS Arts Education. Thank you for bringing up that um, specific information, that accurate information from an actual letter. Um, and I will, <laughs> I will, I will, um, I will ask a question: Is it possible to lie by omission? Yes. Oh, I mean, you can lie by omission, right? By by not saying something. That's well, sort of like a. It's plausible deniability, or they're idiots. Then that is a distinct possibility that, that fucking but it's coercive. Being. It's coercive to me. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I, let me share an anecdotal story now, um, really quickly, and then Tim, you can you can. Hop I'll in. just say, 
you know, that's a really tough thing to do is plan for a trip like six months out in the hopes the th three days before the trip goes that you'll have a negative test, especially when you're talking about the reliability of the test. My, sure. my anecdotal story speaks um, directly to that because okay. um, my child also has an opportunity um, to go to... Um, uh, Nazi land. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, no, no, Disney. Um, oh, Disney. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Not Nazi land. It's the Disney place where there's rides and shit, right? Mm. Um, and so I think this is another musical thing. I have to double check on that. Um, but this is, this is part of the reality in terms of soft power being flexed. Okay. And, you mm -hmm. know, when I stood up yes. last night, I, I mentioned the fact that, you know, I have, I have some money. I'm privileged. White privileged dude, right? Um, and I don't know many people that could just take a $900 hit right now um we don't we can't take a 900 dollars hit you know um but if my kid was going to go onto this trip to california um to nazi disneyland um to basically enjoy you know a kid experience with his with his peers um if he tested positive three days before because that is an option that we have my understanding is he could he could test um, three days before the trip, but if he tests positive, we don't get the nine hundred dollars back. No, we lose that. There's and that wow. that was actually brought up last night um, because I think some of these parents have already paid. They've already um, done at least a down payment, and so there's a question of if they can even get their money back from from that. And that's just that's so disgusting. People are being financially squeezed. Um, people that have kids that are in quarantine, right? Um, not every parent can just like Man. you know take that hit to like not be at, not be at work. I really hope Jacob <sighs> Elder wins today. I Do you? I just want to see some chaos. I want to mm. see some. Ra if if we're gonna have to live under tyranny or chaos, I might choose chaos well, at this point. All you have to do is mm. go to the Pergerello because it's it's Mad Max <laughs> dystopia. And if if um if yeah. if if Kav not Kavula, uh, that's Travis Kavula, but um. Sam Kula, I think, was a write-in candidate. I never really heard much about that. That was sort of a rumor for a while. Um, didn't really materialize, but. Um, you know, if, if chaos does reign supreme in, in Zootown, uh, you know, I got a zombie blade well, I don't now. Know. In, we in have studio, a refugee so. running for mayor oh. two weeks after a refugee <laughs> rapes a girl here. Is that weird? <laughs> I don't, it's all these weird coincidences. Like you can pick if, if I, in another universe described who is going to run against John Engen in this year, like uh, a year before Jacob Elder announced or something. And then I told you, he's going to be a black refugee who starts out as a Democrat, but then is Republican, then is independent, then is for Black Lives Matter, but then uh, he's going to be against it. It's really uh, And confusing. two weeks before the election, uh, another refugee is going to be in jail for rape. So right. who would you like? Do you hate John Ingen that much? Well, so, so <laughs> Do you hate your tax like, property bill you literally just got in the when, mail yesterday when that I was, much when i was a liberal back in you know 2015 2016 and they were telling me you know you need to vote for hillary clinton or because Tr donald trump is so terrible i feel the same now with everyone telling me you need to vote for you know uh uh jacob elder because you know john ingen is so is so terrible but Jacob Elder, I'm just don't I don't know where he he sits on many things because it I think he's had a recent trans uh, transition into you know uh, Chris Christianity and so he's he's having this conversion right now and and I want to give him space to you know you know be forgiven and 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 to uh, learn from his mistakes but I think it's too to fresh them. it's too fresh at this point you you still have a lot more learning to do before you can take on all the conservative principles I wouldn't even 
claim at this point in my transition back to conservatism that I was capable of understanding the the needs of the conservatives in the community because my head's still kind of like parsing out all the liberal bullshit that has been shoved into my head since you know edu- I started my education well you know ultimately what what I saw um, because we were very early in wanting to understand um, Jacob Elder as a candidate and so talking to him in March, giving him an opportunity at that point to um, say, you know, what might be developing as attacks against him. Um, you know, he, he chose to stay silent at that point, and there might be good legal reasons why he chose to stay silent as things were developing against him, right? Hmm. Um, you know, but, you know, it's just, it's such a, a, a tough thing because um, we are at this point where, um, you know, both candidates have just such tremendous baggage and have, um, you know, yeah. really, I think, from what I want to see is someone that is willing to take a risk and and really just make a make a claim or a statement and then back up back it up. So, for example, if I was running for for mayor, I would say um, TIF needs to be abolished. It doesn't mm. need to be reformed or changed. TIF needs to go away. Every urban reno- renewal district, when the time is up, needs to be sunsetted. We are done with the TIF project. Like California in 2011, it needs to stop. And, and I would I would just continue that 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 statement and, and and someone like jacob elder you know he wants to use tiff for housing so that's no real difference than engin and the <laughs> political establishment he wants to keep um you know a lot of the staffing in place um i don't think that represents a realistic understanding of how yeah, power exactly. is of how power flexes in this town you need to evacuate the bureaucracy in this town that has to be yes. one of your 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 pillars of your campaign because he will slot. I just feel like he will slot so nicely into the current current bureaucracy, and the bloatness of it will continue to do what it does. And he'll, you know, give it a, his signature just he, as he it wants, goes through the city council. He has shown through the the last few months. I mean, that he just he wants to be a chameleon. He wants yeah. to be able to to be squishy and use sort of general language enough that he can he can change colors depending on what the weather, you know, mm-hmm. where how the wind let is me, blowing. And it's no what people don't want that. Let in, me in ask a leader. you fellows a question. Because um, I think there's something important about what Roy said about as these campaigns go on and as people actually engage with voters and run a campaign and see what people really want you to talk about versus what you sort of come up with your campaign. Do you think John Engen changes anything based on, you know, how close this race was or how, you know, I think it's palpable how unhappy people are with the city and the local government, unless you're actually being paid by local government for something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're especially a fan of it. Do you think there's, does, if, if he wins, what's going to be fifth term uh, or fourth or fifth term, what does the next term look anything different than what he's done so far? You know, they, they've already, they've already showed my response to that um, before Roy gets a chance to respond. Cause I just like talking and I jump on things. Right. Sounds good. But, but my, my, perception is they are already signaling the evolution of their plans and the evolution of their plans. Like I said last night at cross point church, if anyone recorded and wants to throw something out on Twitter, um, is that the city policies, I know city policies, permission when he broke the law for me, if they, if they want permission for me, I encourage people to, to help with my PR efforts to get my, my, my image out there. So if they want to do it to me, that's Mm -hmm. fantastic. But, um, the city is going to continue the tentacles into the County and um, the tax increment financing is, uh, I'm biased in thinking it's one of the most important issues, um, but it really signals a change in strategy because um, I, I believe that there was an acknowledgement that um, during the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020, 
Um, local activists were successful in educating the broader public about the role of tax increment financing, um, starving the general fund, and making housing less affordable during a housing crisis. And because of that success, um, you know, because what we were saying is the school system and fire and police, you know, these essential services get starved by the urban renewal districts taking increased tax money and, and sending it to the Missoula Redevelopment Agency. That starves the general fund. Um, that is one of the pressures that increases property taxes. Not mm. all of the pressure. Um, state revenue every two years getting reassessed. And as you said on Twitter, property tax bills going out the day be like of before the election, which we'll get to that in a second. But um, the, the signal that they're sending is that they want to consolidate county power and influence by bringing in a representative rubber stamp from the school board, by bringing in a representative rubber stamp from the county so they can just rubber stamp, just like the trust fund, the housing trust fund, which I want to talk to you at some point. But um, Roy should get a chance to respond to that question. Uh, I just feel like, you know, it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be an another National League of Cities resolution saying that, you know, um, we need to respect all trans lives and we're not doing enough for trans people. And so we need to create a organization that can go out into the community and do a survey about how transphobic Missoula is so that we can hire a transphobic, uh, anti-transphobic, uh, like coordinator for the city. It's going to yes, be John yeah, yeah. Ingen continuing to allow like, it's the, going to be white the, guilt through action it, uh, for another four years. It's just going to be a continuation of the growth of the, the bureaucracy, because that's what the, that National League of Cities resolution did. The one that was recently passed by the city and the county, it was a joint resolution that said that they that they needed to create a, a, a county and city um, position an equity coordinator basically so they hired an equity coordinator and now they're going to they're going to they're going to with the coordination of the National League of Cities which is a Soros funded organization by the way um, that that organization um, is is going to help them identify leaders to come in and it's just it, it's a, a process I wrote about this in Missoula County Tyranny and it's a process of increasing the um, the bureaucracy, and that's I just see that happening, and it doesn't need to be ideological at any at any point because it's it's servicing um, these 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 extras from the universities that got really crappy degrees in 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 gender studies or whatever else that's super useless, and they're being funneled into the local government here. So it doesn't even really need to be ideological. It just needs to provide for more jobs for these losers. And and it's really, um, it, it's being born on the backs of the taxpayers and it's ridiculous. Well, so one of the things to be looking for in your neck of the woods, Tim, um, is I'm wondering if John Engen and Gene Curtis can kiss and make up and get sewer action going up in Sealy Lake. Um, one of the things that I think people in this town are talking about um, in bedroom communities like Sealy Lake um, that will see increased pressure from second home purchasing and all that kind of jazz, um, Airbnbs that, that we will see um, some kind of, um, I mean, the survey is already sort of like getting going, but um, there's going to be some interesting dynamics around Airbnbs and what we're doing to hollow out um, a tourist town like Missoula um, to, to really give you know primacy for um, this money-making mm -hmm. revenue stream for a lot of people that, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it, it made sense. I have friends that have Airbnbs and are making money and are not liked by people in the building because of that. 
Um, it's an interesting topic, and it's one that I think is going to see um, increased conversation. Maybe a committee will be formed. I know they love committees, but it's something we actually have to, to, to take seriously. Um, if rich people want quality baristas making their lattes um, <laughs> and you know restaurants open more than like three days a week, um, because the other things beyond just municipal dynamics that are developing are you know continued um, supply shortages, you know supply chain disruptions. Um, you know, that kind of scary stuff in the next couple months might actually manifest into more, more pressing needs. Um, this might be a first world manifestation of that, but it took us almost a month to get our van back. Um, because we, so we have a Rutan, uh, Volkswagen, it's old, it needed a lot of work and we needed parts and the parts took forever to get. There was a labor shortage at the place we took it to. And so the guy literally was like going between three lifts, one dude, um, and wow. it's sad because our Newfoundland only gets in that car. And so for three weeks, she was not able to go out um, mm. and benefit from the river, which was, which is sad. That's kind of first world problem. But if you have to deal with my Newfie and her... Well, I mean, her, that's, uh, it's been evident with the chip shortages with the yeah. truck. So, yeah, it's not surprising. <laughs> when, and bikes was one of the, the things. I was looking for a new bike and mm-hmm. I, I ended up getting one used. But bikes were really hit by supply chain uh, disruptions. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially right after COVID because everyone wanted to get out. You know, they're at home. I mean, that's an anecdotal, but um, I, that's there was a shortage of bikes. You know, a lot of people did want to get out, but some board members uh, remained sort of overweight, and uh, maybe they could <laughs> maybe they could go and exercise to increase their um, you know their resilience. I, resilience is one of the words mm. they like to use, so maybe some resilience yes. could happen. Let's I lost some weight, on. so I want to talk about this ver- uh, race in Virginia because mm. I I can't believe was how it upset? went from what? completely out of my even purview of thinking about to what is this? the most intense. Are you not? Oh, so Terry McAuliffe is a really old, oh, long-time Clinton that, guy. Yes, He's been yes, with yes. the Clintons since uh, the '90s, and he, I think, was governor at least one. Dude, he term. is gross, gross. I mean, I look at him and I feel like I need a shower. That's just my. You know, Virginia is one of those places that's always been a bit more purple than we like to talk about, and we, for some reason, Republicans never really seem to put money there because they're told constantly it's completely out of purview. But uh, you know, you've purple, seen purple is what happens when the red and the blue of the Kabbalah and satanic CIA people um, start thinking that they're evolved transhumanists. But anyway, go on. Uh, I like that. Uh, but but the the way this has gotten racial so quickly, and and the how, way that how this, so so. I mean, the uh, one that happened was a tiki torch thing yep. in front of the bus. Are you oh, aware of that? Oh, yes, 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 So yes. you have this group of never-Trump Republicans who call themselves Republicans but do absolutely nothing to help the Republican Party just tear it down. Uh, and that way, as long as they call themselves Republicans, then when they send uh, Democratic operatives dressed up as Nazis to a uh, Yunkin Can campaign event, mm-hmm. they'd be like, look, there's Nazis at the Republican event, and Republicans sent them. And it's like... And that Lincoln project, they they took the fall for it, but all of those people who were participating were volunteers with the Vir- Virginia Democrats. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> but this is the, the thing we're talking about, is how does a regular person go to the polls? Like, how do you... First of all, this seems to have nothing to do with what you know what well, I that would was think the about first when thing I go of to racism. Vote. That was the first thing of racism. The second part of racism was last night Terry McAuliffe um, was talking to some parents and he said that uh, there's too many white people as parents base or as teachers and we need to you know rebalance that mix. Yeah, and I'm like eighty percent like, of the teachers about? are white and fifty percent of the students are non-white, and so they say we need to get that. This is what I don't understand. It's you think racializing you're just magically this wave a wand and give you know thirty thousand black people education degrees. I mean, if you don't deal with 
How is a black person ever going to make it to a college to become a teacher if the inner city schools are so bullshit and shitty? I don't want to even talk about how many friggin' fights I've seen videos of in the last couple of years of like black schools. It's like, yeah, no wonder they can't ever get into college. They can't even just be safe at fucking school. We had this quote unquote right. school shooting uh, down, was it Texas a few weeks ago? Mm -hmm. And the thing that preceded that was two kids getting like an all out so, brawl in a fist fight. Like, so let me, let me, let me discuss um, a situation in which I find myself um, severely confused conflicted, right? Um, because, you know, you know, Roy and I have been talking about some of our, um, you know, perspectives on, you know, the progressive ideas. And I don't necessarily abandon progressive ideas just because I don't identify with this like sort of emerging cult. But, um, you know, back when I was thinking about housing first, and these policies that can lead to to what I think can be um, definite claims of uh, ra institutional racism, right? So, um, one of three municipal judges who all have the same looking signs, their signs are mm, identical, right? So Jennifer Strino, um, Eli Parker, and then Jake Coolidge. Um, Jake Coolidge was a volunteer with me way back in the day uh, when I was the homeless outreach coordinator. At the time, he was a grad student, and his grad thesis, his graduate thesis, um, was was taking down broken windows, was really looking at broken windows, um, and the way that broken windows is, it's a theory, right? And so the, the theory of broken windows is if you allow, you know, these small little uh, visual cues like broken windows and trash. And if, if you don't sort of clean up some of those, those things, it sends visual cues to would be criminals that there's a lack of accountability in this area. And so it might create an environment in which more serious crimes are happening. It's like, oh, okay, no one's repairing the windows. No one cares about the trash. I can rape and pillage. It's kind of the way, the way the theory goes. And so the way broken windows got applied in New York was stop and frisk. So stop and frisk then becomes, you know, problematic in a lot of ways. And then a young idealistic person like Jake Coolidge is like, it's bad. I am smart. And he is a smart guy. I'm not saying he's not smart. And in part, um, he's smart because he focused on me and used me as his, his example. And I sat in the room as they were like talking about me and he was defending his thesis. And one of the things they said is like, cause he was using my program as an example of what is successful. I was building relationships with people on the street um, and trying to connect them to services so that they wouldn't get caught up in the criminal justice system. Right. And one of the criticisms the, the professors had was, you know, this person seems to be good at what they're doing, but how is this program going to be um, sustaining beyond this one person doing this work? You know, kind of like how do you institutionalize this kind of work? And I think that that institutionalizing is happening in some positive ways, like with the mobile crisis unit. But this is where I'm conflicted and this is where I'm sad um, because uh, Jacob Coolidge and Jennifer Strino and Eli Parker had a little complaint against them because they're using Westridge Creative and Westridge Creative had complaints against them because they were not all that uh, sort of... Um, respectful of the laws back with TJ McDermott. So TJ McDermott got dinged. Westridge Creative was involved back then. And I mean, they were formed by Jim Parker and Pete Talbot back in 2000, um, according to this uh, PDF document, uh, court document that I got a, a link to sent by a, an astute reader. And it's just sad because, you know, Jake Coolidge is a smart guy. I'd like to think he's his own person with his own thoughts. Um, when I see him on like Facebook with like a fundraiser, 
with this like establishment elite set. I'm just like, oh man. Hmm. But at the same time, he's he's the public defender that got Brandon Bryant acquitted. So you know, this guy that I interviewed, a great interview, if I do say so myself. Um, you know, this this was the guy that was acquitted, and it's just it's frustrating. You know, the standing Tenenbaum is a public defender as well, and so. Um, well, and, and I mean, there's we whole... have a refugee right now who's accused of a very serious crime, and right. we have a very experienced refugee lawyer just happens to be in Missoula, and he really believes in it so strongly. Maybe he should pro bono represent, you know, Ooh, that's a good Muhammad, idea. whatever the guy's name is, yeah. uh, and just prove to us. I mean, if he's willing to go into a place of worship and illegally record people despite all of his professional obligations, saying as an attorney he should be held to a higher standard than that, then why don't you do penance and... Sh- and you know, if you really want to show the people of Missoula how good it is to bring refugees here, then why don't you step up and put your money where your mouth is, man? Well, you know, maybe maybe he's just a little tired from like that hard work getting the trains sounds to be a little bit less less loud. But, I, you know, I don't know. But, but OK, I, this is where I try to take the perspective of the regular person, because at the end of the day, it's people on the right going crazy, people on the left going crazy and people in the middle describing what kind of government do I want to look like, the crazy left or the crazy right? And over time, as you know, like in Montana, when you have a Democratic governor win four elections in a row here and Democrats have complete control of the governor's mansion and all the administration and such, then Republicans have to start inching a little bit over every time they lose an election they have to be a little Mm. more like palatable and sane looking and safe looking and Mm -hmm. and it tempers Mm -hmm. them so that we keep most of the dialogue in the middle where the people who usually decide the elections live what what this is what bothers me is we now have both sides playing 100 percent completely to their base which to people in the middle looks crazy it looks just as crazy to me to have kamala or cory booker screaming at brett kavanaugh as it does josh hawley or ted cruz screaming at some like person they're trying to confirm in the senate i want people to do my business with my money in a respectful way in a way that treats everyone with a modicum of respect doesn't put a label on them before they've even walked through the door i need to know that the person is competent to run government and you know when Greg Jean Forte first came out, they took a little audio clip of him giving a talk in his church. Like, I don't even know how they got this legally, but they got it and they're going to play it. Uh, and they characterize him that way. Here's a crazy religious guy. See, he's he's talking about Moses. Moses didn't get Social Security. And so look at this. <laughs> he's probably going to ride a dinosaur around the Capitol if he gets elected the governor. And so Greg Jean Forte keeps coming back. Runs again in 2017. Runs against the craziest, nudist, herpes cowboy guy they decide to run that year. You know, runs in 2018. Runs for... This guy has proven himself to be someone that the voters can trust. And more and more, those on the left would rather not even try to play that game or even try to convince you they can be trusted. They just believe so much in their in their self righteousness. Yeah, they don't. They're they're beyond trying to convince you in a democracy. They would rather just tell you what to do and get someone to make you do it. So let me um, tell you about talking to a lunch lady. All right, because there is the crazy left, and and there there is the crazy right, and um. I don't, though, think it's crazy, um, and this is where parents like me are being thrown into this this thing, because when, you know, I talked to a few people last night, um, I heard one, one woman say she had never been politically active. Um, there were people starting to show up and consider doing things that's way outside their comfort zone. Um, and the lunch lady I talked to, okay, um, me, crazy domestic terrorist, according to Merrick Garland, you know, radical parent that makes school board members feel unsafe with my free speech maker, right? I was talking to this um, this lunch lady who's 
she's getting fucking radicalized because she sees kids with rashes on their face. Mm. She sees kids that are actually suffering from the, the, the effects of wearing masks eight hours, seven hours, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we are being gaslit as parents to make, to, to, to seem like we are the crazy ones, right? you know? And I, I don't know how to respond to that because the fucking science shows that the mm-hmm. masks don't work the way they think it works. Mm-hmm. The stats don't show that my kids have a statistical risk of, of, of lethality from contracting, you know, what it is that's going around. I mean, it's, we, we are so far beyond, I think, you know, so I'm getting a sign made um, and I went to a local business because I like supporting local business. Hmm. And just now, as I was talking, I, I stopped because I'm wondering if I want this sign anymore, right? Because um, it, it, the sign is going to say the sign is going to say it's going to be big. You know, I'm having it made red lettering, you know, mm. and it's, it's just going to say stop medical apartheid. That's great. But maybe on the back, I'll say, yeah, and create cultural apartheid because I don't want to be anywhere fucking next to you like psycho cultists anymore. Because, um, I mean, if you really think you're going to put a needle in my kid, um, then, then we need a parallel society. Yeah. Well, you know? I, and that's, I'm that's, to this I don't part, like that idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't that, like idea. that idea either. And I try to have compassion for these people that are, what, what is that? Someone's moving a table oh. outside. Oh. Uh, um, I okay. try to have compassion for these people because they are heavily propagandized. And I think there are some of them that might have malintent or they're just like, this, this feels good. So I'm going to do the pile on too, but they're, Almost all of these people are heavily propagandized by NBC Montana, by the New York Times, by KPAX, by Missoulian, by so many things telling them that, no, the, the tests are accurate. No, the vaccine is absolutely safe. No, the masks work and it's worth putting it on. And so all of that, all they've been told over and over and over again is is that all of this works and they haven't gone out, I guess, and done the critical research themselves, which is frustrating. And and I get get that, you know, some facts can be scary, you know, but but there there are like facts that exist, you know, and like some of these facts are like uh, Fauci is a liar because he lied to Congress and that and that's a fact. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, executive of executives of big pharma companies are convicted felons. Yep. Right. Um, and I know veterans who are convicted felons and they can't get into housing. Um, the ones that haven't committed suicide. I mean, um, but but no, no, I, you know, and I hate how how this really does, um, you know, tear people apart. One of the stores that I, I used to pop in and um, I still would like to support some of the artists in this store. Um, but when the proprietor that I've known for many years told me that Dr. Fauci knew better than me what mm. w- for my kids and that I should just like succumb to the the, the dictates of Fauci, you know, I was like, she no. couldn't even rep- she couldn't even say primary data. She just got her received opinion from the news about Dr. Fauci and repeated it to you. She well, this was a he. Why. This was a he. Or he, whatever. Um, Sorry it, to misgender. It, well, now you are canceled. <laughs> now, 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 this whole this whole podcast has to be thrown in the trash, and we can't. We, all oh of this great gosh. content that we we've have to go back and censor so much of this. <laughs> we, we do, we do. Um, no, but but it, I mean, it's it's. We had a potluck um, the other night. Um, because these these things still happen, and you know the the positive flip side is I I continue meeting new and interesting people, um, and I I am I daily encouraged um, because I think it's bringing a level of clarity for some people, and and people are stepping up and being more accountable in their own lives in good ways, and so you know the silver lining and the positive stuff where people are like you know 
I've always kind of sat on the sidelines and just gone along and I can't do that anymore. I mean, um, I really think I've heard that so much because I I think there was a um, expectation of a higher rate of compliance um, among Mm -hmm. these, you know, sociopaths at the top. And, and there, there are, there are people that are truly making difficult life changing decisions. Like last night, um, uh, one of the family, someone that spoke up said, you know, my wife left her job. Um, mm. to, to homeschool the kids. They changed their job. Like wow. people are leaving. That's huge. And down, a, l- removing a whole income stream from the family. It's scary. To do this. It's scary, but people are making big choices because they see that they aren't giving a lot of choices in, in, right. in what's happening. So, yep. well, at this point, I mean, can we also talk about something else that's going on as a redistricting? Oh, yeah. Uh, because yeah, that yeah. has mm-hmm. major implications, especially if Democrats think because of some computer model in Washington, D.C. told them if they draw the map a certain way, they might have a chance of winning and yet they are going to will that to power so hard Mm. they don't seem to get that you know giving voters a tremendously negative impression of your party and anyone with a d beside your name because you're representing the the fascism making take people take the vaccines making them choose if they want to have a job or not making them choose family Mm. relationships like you think generally if you look at psychology there's maybe two or three times in a person's life where they have like a life-changing revelation and Mm. this is one of those things that can really do that i've known so many democrats especially working in montana politics for so long that almost nothing will persuade them away from helping the democratic party but there's a few things like this that were Mm. that you know we talked to was it kevin hunt some of the other really strong environmentalist guys who really haven't supported the traditional democrats because Mm -hmm. they've seen guys like bullock and schweitzer and tester through them under the fucking bus anytime some serious environmental uh, legislation came up yeah. or, or they sold out to the mining company or sold out to you know the the fossil fuel company these things that are happening right now where you are making a person go to to every single person they worked with and say goodbye say i'm sorry but i can't do this like these are really strong hard emotional scenes that i'm seeing and people are sharing them on social media yeah. and that's going to leave a profound long-lasting impact on them and mm-hmm. this is Either the Democrats are 100% sure they never have to win another national election because they've changed the electorate completely in their favor, or, or they're sure that they can uh, will to power some other way. Or rig elections. It's just so out of the or, ordinary in my lifetime. You look at a guy like Bill Clinton. He became a hard moderate for the six years after they lost Congress. They, the, the first two years he was in there, 93 and 94, they got like the National Student Loan Program and, and NAFTA and things like that done. And then there was such a strong backlash, he had to deal with a Republican Congress for six years. And they balanced the fucking budget by the time he left office. That mm. was only 20 years ago. We had a balanced budget mm-hmm. as a country. And it was because both sides came together uh, you know, to work on something that was important to the other side because they wanted people to elect them the next time the election came up. When's the last time you heard about anything like that happening? I don't think John Tester's running that way. He no. votes like AOC. He votes yes. like Chuck Schumer. Yes. He doesn't seem, I mean, he's from a redder state almost as Joe Manchin is, mm-hmm. or certainly redder than Kristen Cinemas in Arizona. He's not voting that way. He doesn't seem to be acting that way when this legislation The elections are rigged. They're totally freaking rigged, and they've been rigged for 20 years, and that's why Democrats can do whatever the hell they want, because at least at the federal level, they're rigged. I don't know about like today election i think it's more at the national level because the the national elections are the ones that um that 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 they have um well i you know the the national elections are the ones that they run and they have more um access to like the the machines all, all at once if there's um any kind of uh 
any kind of coordination happening at, at the local level. That's that's not like a, a national scope type of thing. So I don't think that the local elections, like today's elections, are being like rigged or anything. But I think definitely the national ones are, and and it's been happening over the past twenty years. And the when Democrats are able to say. Um, you know, we've won this election, we won this election, we won this election over and over again. It's demoralizing to Republicans in the state. And like you were saying earlier, the Republicans feel like they have to move more left or be more reasonable and negotiate with these jerks. But well, here, my perspective, um, because I, I might make sort of hyperbolic claims that Trump broke a lot of people's brain. Um, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways that's true and accurate. But in some ways, a claim could be made that uh, the Clintons broke mine. Right. They, they broke mine. My wife gets annoyed sometimes. She's like, why do you like despise Democrats so much? I'm, I used to go on these rants where I'd just be like, well, if you understood the 90s and what the Clintons did, their third way new Democratic bullshit as they corporatized the Democratic Party. Um, you know, and this was back when maybe I was wanting more of a leftist, um, a real sort of leftist push right from the from the Democratic Party towards socialized medicine and stuff like that. But, you know, what the Clintons achieved the, the Telecommunications Act and, and um, you know, so many things in the 90s set the stage for what what was going to be a backlash, you know, down the road. Um, and we at this point here in Missoula suffer from the Clinton, you know, the, the, the miasma of the victory fund and this, you know, ultimately national money laundering scheme back in 2016 that was able to um, to get so much more money into the the Hillary campaign. And the Democrats in the state continue the same kind of mentality. They will do what they can to raise more money for themselves, right? So if Engen wants a primary, um, if a primary benefits him in the long run because it doubles the amount of money that can yeah, be raised. That was if, ridiculous. If Don Pagreba, if, um, who's in Hawaii now, and maybe he can see some of the, the, the people that are going to be vaccinated and go and hang out and play. Oh, play, play contact with Yeah, him. we should go reach out to Don. Um, but Don Pagreba, you know, um, allowed Governor Schweitzer at the time to 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 double his intake um, politically because of the fact that a primary allows a uh, a governor candidate to raise money in the primary and then raise money in the general. Well, and it so, also allows like Governor Ingen or not Governor Ingen, Mayor Ingen. Ingen, Mayor Ingen to target just one person for a general election. There should have been you know uh, the whole slate you know allowed to run against him for the general election this is ridiculous this was well and we've talked also about you know the, the part of it is incompetence of local opposition like at some point you're supposed to put up a spirited opposition just as a principle of democratic government okay if everyone wants to go along and say whoever wins we all say nice things about them then we're north korea jacob Where, elder's youthful enthusiasm cleared the field in a lot of ways because the dude was in so early and oh no, yeah two and, years and, and no one else wanted to you know like a lot of people learned lessons from lisa tripke and how she was you know targeted and and completely just smeared in in very unethical ways and so you know, after 16 years, um, a lot of people have underestimated Engen. Um, they have lost elections because of that. Um, and Engen is in this position as a 16-year incumbent looking at a full 20-year generational influence on his hometown. Um, he, he's in this position because he's not stupid. Um, I suspect maybe he's not even actually drinking anymore, okay. you know. But um, he's, yeah, yeah. What's your prediction? Does he win? Oh, yes, 100%. Okay. Do you do you? Do you want to say a margin? Does he win by 1%? Does he win by 10 points? What? Oh, 
let's see. I have money on this. This is so. This is. Oh, you have thing, money on this? Actually, well, I have I have money on the Virginia race, but uh, so, so so Tim, let me let me give you a hypothetical really quick. Okay, so if um I'm like staking out the election office and it's like two or three in the morning and I see someone with like a big box of ballots, um you know, and that might give Ingen a bigger cushion. Do you want me to say something or not say something? Because I, I want like if you, you win pull money, out your phone and film it quietly and maybe ask hey what are you doing something like that okay. you know be okay. res- anyone at operating in their uh, capacity as a government officer doing the government i.e the people's work is allowed to be recorded you know do, yeah do you want to uh, so you you want one sorry i'm getting uh flustered here i think it's about 50 50 right now uh, you do so, so you even with three other people Engen still only pulled 51 percent so uh, if everyone who votes for Strandberg and everyone who votes for Sean Knopp comes over and presumably votes for Jacob Elder then that means either Jacob Elder now has just to go find a couple hundred more votes somewhere who didn't vote in the primary because they just didn't care or he has to poach some of the Engen voters so he doesn't have I mean this is where it's almost disappointing because if he gets in tonight I won't be surprised um, because it, you had two shitty choices. So one of the shitty choices is going to win, right? But one shitty choice probably has 16 years of baggage and everyone's tax bills and the last rape scandal before the current rape scandal and the last discrimination oh, scandal man. before the current discrimination scandal. Like, Do you want to hear my conspiracy theory on this? Oh, Go yeah. Ahead. Oh, I think, yeah. I think that, um, well, okay. Do you guys hear, do you guys ever heard of Joe Crowley? Joe Crowley? It sounds really familiar for Joe some Crowley reason. Joe Crowley was a, a representative in Congress for New York, the district that AOC ended up oh, winning. Oh, that's right, that's right. And, that... and uh, he was slated to be next Speaker of the House, apparently. And she came in and she won that upset, you know, election against him. And he was a Democrat, but she was the new brand of Democrat. Hmm. And so, um, you know, this isn't a congressional race or anything. But what if, you know, um, Jacob Elder is the you know, cabal replacement for Mayor Ingen. And he is the up-and-coming, branded, hip Democrat. Although now that's kind of blown. That theory is kind of blown because now he's he's tacking conservative. Um, but, you know, maybe the cabal doesn't really give a crap, you know, How, whether or not however, you're conservative. Yeah. What if we said the majority of the electorate feels the same way Jacob does? Oh, yeah, I want to be a Democrat. Oh, these guys are crazy. Maybe not. Oh, yeah, mm. I'm a Republican. Oh, those guys are crazy, too. I guess I'm an independent. Let me just look at, like, that's how most people would approach it if you're not starting from an ideological position is like, okay, I want to get into politics. Oh, these are crazy people. Well, oh, you know, you know Tim, okay, I'll just be in the middle. We, we, mm. we are in a political realm um, that, that grabbing a woman in the pussy didn't um, torpedo Trump. And so maybe wow. some of these things that, that normally would take someone out, like a rape scandal um, and all these mm. multiple accusers, maybe there's just not a believable, like there's a resistance to believing claims at this point because things are so hyper-political. One thing, um, we haven't talked about any of the, the city council candidates. Um, Danny Carlino is really going to be an interesting candidate to watch. Um, there was a sort That's of that's la- true. There I'll w- give you that. Oh, definitely. Well, he's know, entertaining. Oh, he's entertaining to watch. You know, and he, he's so eager. Um, I'm going to read something though, because, um, TC, you guys know he ran for PSC last time, right? Yeah. 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 
was it Monica? Well, it, I actually voted for him then. I voted them. It's been it's yeah, been very too. interesting to see to see his campaign and and his career develop because um I've been looking at some old uh, some old footage from public comments and and he showed up at one point as some climate uh, activists and um they thought they were going to have more time but they didn't understand some of the dynamics so he's he's a youngster he's learning um, but Dory is is really the establishment pick and to sort of signal that. Um, uh, one of Dory's supporters is the former Missoula Rede- Redevelopment Agency director, Jeff Badenoch. And so Badenoch came out in the Missoula Current um, in support of Dory and therefore against Carlino. But but Danny Carlino, um, I mean, it, it's just incredible that he literally lost his housing during this campaign. Oh, um, yeah. A month-to-month lease was terminated by Barbara Kustra, uh, the, the former director of the Museum of Art at the University of Montana, who is a litigant against Seth Bodner, um, because apparently Bodner allegedly likes fit ladies working around him. I mean, the whole thing is just a fucking dumpster fire. But I want to read this comment really quick, okay? And this is from TC, from a post, and it's funny. I feel bad for Mr. Carlino. Like many of us once were, he is youthful, idealistic, and believes that, quote, representative government is actually a thing. He has many good ideas and is not wrong about many issues. Even if his ideas slash proposed solutions proved unworkable, his representation on council would forward community understanding slash discussion. However, because of his youth and experience, Mr. Carlino misunderstood the, quote, room. I'm sure he thought, I'm a demo, you're a demo. We're all in this together as one progressive whole. I'm sure he thought there was ample room under the demo tent for all. Silly boy. Carlino is a Bernie demo. Everyone in power within Missoula is a Clintonite, a boomer, neoliberal, virtue signaling for appearances money grubber. Right on, TC. He didn't realize the Clinton folks back in the day, new party rebranded as Triangle, but all about making money with virtue, actually hate progressive demos. I'm sure he watched council and thought, we're just differences of degrees. I think now he is getting the full picture. Those same Missoula elite that glad-handed you yesterday will stab you in the back to save their perceived narcissistic power if you threaten boomerdom even a little. I feel bad for Mr. Carlino. He entered the race with the best intentions and thought he could make a difference. I feel mostly bad that we will see his optimism turn into cynicism in real time. Hopefully, he can continue to hold his center rather than just falling in line with all Missoula elites or like all Missoula elites eventually do. I thought that was a very astute comment. Yeah, um, I have to compliment that because I was thinking yeah. the same thing is I've seen a dozen or more Daniel Carlinos at this point. Do I know. you not understand part of the university making sure you're gone in four to six years is so they can continually maintain power? You come mm. in the first couple of years, oh, there's all these, hey, why don't you go walk for the six million? Why don't you start out working for our home? And then, <laughs> oh you know, gosh. two years in, three years in, you're like, oh, maybe I should run for something. You know, <laughs> these guys all like me. They let me mm. work on their campaign. Like, yeah, I mean the the thought process is exactly right, and I, you know, we started watching The Sopranos on HBO a couple months ago, and I'm continually just reminded how much this looks like the mafia, where he's like, yeah, yeah, we gotta go get three people to go work this construction job, two people will just be on the books, and there's just like this line of hands and palms to be greased to make sure everyone gets a little cut. Oh, start with the top. It's or even with Biden, we gotta make sure the big guy gets his cut. He always gets ten percent. Is like, <laughs> that's right. Is this government or is this just? Straight up, it's crashed. It it is it is uh, patronage. I've heard of the yeah. patronage theory. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm really a subscriber to that. I think it makes a lot of sense, um, especially with you know a growing bureaucratic edifice like like Missoula County government, Missoula City government, 
and and the university it just like um governor the 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 mayor has pay pigs that he's got to make sure are paid and and he'll continue to be in office if those pay pigs are paid and and that's how it happens i like that term pay pig yeah they just want to get paid they just want money little pig boy there's there's a there's a body of a pig um hanging from the peace sign over there on the wall right above engen when he was crossing his heart hoping to die in 2014 on the on the cover of the independent um to back up your assertion that we are in a sort of mafia realm here in in missoula um i mean it really is in terms of tax increment financing when you accept their money i mean that's like the the hey hey you like that tiff Mm -hmm. you took that tiff right well, there was well a- now you're trying to oppose us. Well, what do you think? What do you think that tiff was for? Because and I, we saw this in real time last the last election cycle. Lisa Tripke um, was going against Engen. People backing Lisa Tripke, you know, sort of the private sector entities like Brett's RV, Spiker Communications. You know, I remember the article that that was like, "Hey, Brett's RV, you guys took tiff for that development out there." You know, like you hypocrites, you can't you can't criticize Engen if you're taking the tiff. Mm. And like, how is that not just like mafia type? You know, mm. you know. And and the problem is Engen's got you know the the media establishment mm. backing him up. And this is what you get when uh, when Pete Talbot's daddy is your first campaign financer. You know, uh, or ca- campaign person. Um, he used to work for the Missoulian. Engen used to be yep. an editor at the Missoulian. In 2006, he became mayor. And then in 2007, they instituted mail-in balloting, and he's been for municipal elections, and he's been mayor ever since. I think that's an interesting point. And and Ginny Miriam, um, Ginny Miriam, the the spokesperson, spokeswoman for Angin, was an editor. Um, I have spoke to a person off the record um, that was making some claims about what she was up to in terms of uh, you know letter allowing letters to the editor maybe not get through um, back in the day. And it's it's interesting because um, controlling the narrative, controlling information is is a very, um, very I've been seeing powerful journal- thing. I've been seeing some of these journalists move into the city government too, the city and county government, oh, yeah, into the health department. Yeah, it's a revolving door. Well, yeah. the opinion editor now works at MCPS as the comms person for the schools. Like it's... So they have these relationships and these these one these direct relationships with the media. They know what to say, how to say it, who to talk to. I don't know. It's just like it's bullshit. They, we're, I really feel like we're in this time of of death and rebirth because everything mm-hmm. is just sort of coming to the end. I think the influence that the baby boomers had is the largest, mm-hmm. you know, last bastion of, of old America. They've take 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 taken their generations helping and three more. And they're going to leave us with a big fucking mess. And we're going to have to get really creative on how to figure that out. And there's going to be so many more important things that we need to, to find solutions to. And yet we're still going through the motions like everything's fine. I mean, that's really what this election is. Does everyone think everything is fine? And let's just keep doing what we're doing right now for four more years. Or yeah. don't we? That's what an election is. Should we keep doing this shit or should right. we try something else? Well, one of the, the things that happened this past week that was really nice is that we got a quarter cow. Um, it was all cut mm. up. It was in, in plastic and we put it in our freezer. Um, we live in Montana, and we have the benefit of having some some food in the mountains and food in the rivers. Um, we do have pretty good, knowledgeable people, um, salt-of-the-earth type folks that live here, um, and even some of the transplants that are coming. You know, this uh, I met this architect guy from, from Chicago who's awesome. I love him. Um, I've also actively on Zoom recruited other people to come here if they don't suck. Um, because some non-sucky people, it, I, I would like that. And um, 
this is a, a bit unofficial, but I'm also looking to maybe create a, an underground railroad for Canadians. Hmm. So um, J- Jordan Hallover at Montana Daily Gazette apparently is in, helping Canadians come through the United States down to Mexico because it's so crazy there right now. That's crazy. So um, the, it, it's interesting because I was on a Zoom meeting um, with uh, Monica Perez and Binkley and their patrons because I'm a, I'm a patron of their amazing content. And this guy in Mexico helps people, hel- helps expats relocate. Mm. Um, and he knows Derek Bros and the Freedom Cell Network. And there are people going to places in Mexico and other places uh, repatriating. Mm. Canada is a really interesting place because they are, they are very lockstep in a lot of ways. And um, one of the podcasts I listen to, Grimerica, Great America guys are fantastic. And they're actually going to be in Montana and Idaho next year. Um, so I'm going to try and reach out to them. And I really want to test out my uh, my unauthorized walking tours on some people. But uh, they're going to be coming through next year, you know, depending on if um, America is still standing. But um, it's, it's interesting to kind of network and to think regionally. I've been doing some traveling to Spokane more. Um, we talked a little bit last week about Raptom, Idaho and some of the, the stuff kind of regionally. So, I mean, I, I see opportunities and I, I think, um, what you mentioned Tim, with, uh, you know, there's negative stuff, but there's also going to be, you know, building opportunity. I mean, we are going to have to probably be accountable to some kind of parallel development. Um, agorism is one of these ideas. That's great. You know, it's trade and barter stuff, um, starting to work outside of, um, a collapsing fiat currency, trying to mm. understand crypto spaces. Um, well, I mean, think about it. One things. day, the Missoulian will just stop. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be a day where they're going to be like, okay, we just don't have the money to print this newspaper that no mm. one reads off and bring it to people. Mm-hmm. Then it'll go, like the Chronicle actually did that. It's been about 10 years ago, about, but they started uh, cutting the days of the week that he even produced a paper because mm-hmm. they, did, cause they mm-hmm. used to be seven days a week. Then they're like, we just don't have the staff and the money, so we're going to do no Mondays now. Just if anything happens between like Saturday and Tuesday, they just don't cover it. Yeah. They use other uh, states' coverage uh, of some of those issues. And, you know, the same... I'm, we are going to need to know what the fuck is going on in our government and there's going to have to be a need and you know people will eventually come together and it will look like something. It well, might it, look like this, what we're doing now. It might look like just a website, but... And, and people have to also consider analog because I'm sorry, you know, being, being a, a little punk ass hiding in a church... Um, you know, when, when Elsie was giving me some kudos for being courageous, it's courageous to stand up and to be, you know, accountable to yourself and, and to, to, you know, not be hiding. Um, and, mm. and so when you're, when you're thinking, when I say analog, I'm talking about like, you know, hard copy, physical, yeah. physical stuff, still using that as analog because the neighbor, uh, snitch apps, uh, the, the Dannys of this world will be on the snitch apps, just, just eager and waiting to report, you know, to the authorities. Like, oh, that was the wrong thing. Well, you that know was what? Next time thing. anyone who hears this sees that guy, especially I would recommend this to you, Travis, go talk to him and ask him because oh, he's literally an attorney breaking the law and violating your rights to privacy. All the churchgoers, anyone of Montana Western Libertarian Coalition, which includes me, I've gone to their events as well. Uh, this is bullshit and the fact that they sit here and they say it and the real thing is if this came to light to everyone in his district that this is an attorney you know helping refugees come here especially when we have one sitting in jail accused of rape uh, especially all the other things that we have to deal with this in this town and his best use as a representative of this city was to go into a private church See that there's a sign there saying, please do not record and taking it upon himself to do so anyways, just so he could get a minute of audio of Elsie saying the same thing she'd say 50 million other places. It was totally innocuous. 
totally innocuous. You know, if he was getting some secret information about a secret plan yeah. to like over, you know, I would, I would maybe even go that far. Like I'm a journalist. I believe there's certain situations where you have a moral responsibility to take a risk. Yes. If you believe, I mean, look at WikiLeaks, look at yeah. Julian Assange, look at Edward Stone. There's obviously very good uh, precedent on when those types of situations are needed. This was not needed. They're it was so an entitled at- white guy mm-hmm. who wanted to prove a point who he he doesn't even treat other people in that room as human beings okay mm-hmm. every single other person in that room is an individual with rights and he violated all of them and and do you think anything's going to happen I, this is what i wanted to do today was actually make a couple phone calls call the attorney general's office we, we, see if we, we can talk some to calls. austin knudsen see if we can talk to chris i want to know yeah because the thing is unless they're held accountable unless they're subject to the same sort of embarrassment and ostracization mm. and standards that we're all held mm. to all mm-hmm. the time then, then nothing's ever going to change so in, mm. in some way we need to step up and when they cross the line like this and violate our rights I'm, i wish there were more than four Republican attorneys in the whole fucking state, but but apparently there isn't. So we're gonna have to step up and and do some of the heavy lifting. Well, we are we are we are rocking out, and I'm having way too much fun because now it's time for a poem. Because mm. you you got me inspired, okay. and poetry is something that not everyone likes. Your you know? poems are good though; I like them. I am an amazing poet. Um, my I'm, I'm, I'm humble as well, but my <laughs> my education comes from the U- University of Montana, and so um, back then they had a great humanities program. It's been slowly gutted, um, and Seth Bodner is currently just finding you know humanities people and stomping them on the face. Not really, but kind of in my well, they found these people but, from Texas to give a hundred million dollars, and they're going to name the building after the people from Texas. So there's much more important shit that cool. needs to be done. Okay, well, I'm currently interested in uh, in the New Yorkers here. And so here's a poem. Um, I actually made this into a song and it's not all that great, but I'm going to have a professional help me with some of my musical development stuff. But the the poem that became the song um, is about Danny Doo-Doo. Um, he can do so many things that I, I, I put do in the title twice. Hmm. So this is for Danny Doo-Doo. <clears throat> Sheep dipped Democrat, New York born, Homeland Security, weaponized scorn. Free the car pirate like Indiana Jones and loud train horns. Leave Rattlesnake alone. 200 grand to make them shut up. Good job, Gwen. Your ears had enough. This Ingen's Missoula. The actors are set with their safety scissors and their holy net. Zoo Town Garden City. Pardon my spit. But those left remaining can't swallow more shit. Two bad gladhanders and Mayor Bloat had crafty stowaways who pooped in their boat. I like that part. This here's their story. Better pay heed or your town could catch their tiff sniffing scheme. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Very good. I almost want to do that again and just like beatbox and see if you could do it to the <laughs> beat. Cause I was like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very white. I'm very white. <laughs> Here, just try it. See if you can match my beat. Just tar. Well, the, 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 no, no, I'm not going to embarrass myself. We, we will practice that and then we'll bring it to the public next week, oh. to the audience next week, maybe. But, um, you know, poetry, it's funny because I also talked about my um, my love of poetry last night and that Gwen Jones does not like poetry because um, free speech is a thing still. And you really do apparently have to assert rights in order to um, to maintain your rights. And now is the time I think that people are starting to see that there's going to um, there's going to have to be opportunities uh, that we that we force um, to, to get our, our opinions sort of heard. Um, it's very discouraging to, to hear that there aren't avenues for a parent like me to, to have someone, 
um, that like, like Grace Decker that clearly does not recognize any kind of boundaries. Um, but mm. I actually want to I, I want to wrap up um, with can, I, I want, can we yeah. expand that on that a little bit because there's something I think that is sort of overall included in this and especially when it becomes to education because there's a point at which people do make the decision maybe I should go check out Loyola private school mm. maybe I should check out homeschooling right. cooperatives in my area maybe there's yeah, yeah. And, and when we have an education system that before COVID was already kind of shitty mm -hmm. uh, which did a poor job of educating our children mm -hmm. which seemed to be more about indoctrination on climate yep. change and social justice and yep. reading and writing like if, if if your kids were getting the most top-notch education and you just really believe they had good teachers and they came back and they had really good career path you know going to college or, or career then the the decision on whether or not to keep my kid in that school when something like COVID happens is very hard because you're giving up a lot but in this session where we've let the standards fall so low as far as public education is concerned doesn't that make the decision on whether you should have your kids involved in this like constantly yeah. oh are, is school open today is school not open today like you There's still care awakening. about your kids There's and their future. There's a great awakening with yeah. parents right now. And the, the mask situation has really like put a, a, a focus on it because you guys have talked about this before. But now that parents uh, during COVID could see through a Zoom call what their, their the kids were being taught, um, it was a wake-up call. And this has been going on for a while. This is not new. It didn't just happen this year. They've been doing this equity shit since I was in school. Excuse me. I'm sorry. But this has been going on for a while. And now parents are getting a taste of it. And they get to see it. And they get to see what the schools are capable of. I actually think it's a blessing in disguise in some yeah, ways, is. you can say. Because it is taking these parents and it's showing them there's other options. And we're going to get a lot better students out of this generation if we can get them out of public schools because these places are toxic they're not preparing people for like any kind of like real human future and that's you know and that's ultimately what i'm um working with my wife to try and, and look at i was talking to to amy live say um mm. at the end of the the evening last night and you know it's funny because i was mentioning to her that you know my wife is pretty nervous about the idea of homeschooling in part because remote learning was so so difficult mm. And Amy was saying that um, that absolutely it's unfortunate that re remote learning is now sort of in the in some parents' heads in terms of what what homeschooling might look like. And Amy's like, it's not it's not like that because my wife is very nervous about how much work is going to be demanded of her. Uh, remote learning was so hard on her in so many ways. Um, but that's that's why I think um, meeting and networking people and starting to build that foundation now so that it's not just yanking your kids out, plopping them somewhere else. There has to be a transition. And part of that transition is recognizing, um, especially with a 13 year old, that um, your influence is as a parent is is waning, you know, by the day. Um, the social mm. support is very, very important. I, I don't want him to um, to be ostracized. And that's that's one of the most yeah. ins insidious parts of this. Yeah. Um, it, putting kids in this in this like tug of war uh, political, you know, pressure cooker is it's just insane. At one point, I talked to to my oldest and just asked him, you know, hey, what do you feel about this? You know, getting the jab if if you're if the cool kids are doing it, you know, are you going to be able to say no? And he's just like, I don't know, I don't want to uh, say no. Like, uh, I mean, uh, the the influence. To the point where one of my strategies was almost like, I'm going to go find the cool kids and be like, hey, cool kids. Like, no, I wouldn't yeah. do that. That's a joke because of course. Um, their parents need to be able to have the freedom to make choices for, for their kids. Of but, course. Um, but the reality is 
our kids are going to be in the same schools if we continue to leave them in public schools. Well, and and this is this is to the point of like, I think the shot will give you increased risk of myocarditis, yes, heart inflammation, you know? And so I don't, I love my kids. I don't want them hurt. So that's I, my role as a parent. I, I, I was telling you guys, and I'm going to mention it on the podcast because yes, I yes, think yes. it's important for people to hear, but you know, the, the Missoula County just came out with an email saying they're getting ready for, um, you know, the COVID-19 vaccines for kids between five and 11 because the FDA is given its authorization. And, and I, I recently, you know, I, I, um, I found that um, I went through the actual documentation from the FDA on the, um, the the trials that they did with the children, and 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 they used the uh, data from 12 to 15 year olds, I think, to de- to determine the risk for 5 to 11 year olds of myocarditis, and so they because they didn't actually have data from five to 11 year olds about their risk for myocarditis. So the, they use that data, which is, you know, that is a problem in the first place. There's no actual trials regarding five to 11 year olds about myocarditis. Uh, so they're using the myocarditis data on uh, from 11, uh, 12 to 15 year olds. That's problem number one. Problem number two is that the efficacy, which is one of the main reasons for getting the vaccine so that we can all reduce you know, infections and, and keep people out of hospitals and all this stuff, um, that you're only saving um, 160, no, between 22 and 250 people um, out of a million from being in the hospital for COVID, but you're putting 160 children at risk for myocarditis. That is what it bears out to in the trials. And so we are criminal if we allow this to happen. The benefit is not there. There's not enough benefit, and it's really bad. The the risk-benefit analysis that anyone's doing in in a rational world um, when you look at the statistical risk, you know, and then I, I just go back to my own anecdotal story. My middle kid tested positive September 1st. Um, we took zero precautions in terms of keeping the kids from playing with each other, right? And in, in terms of um, isolating them from myself, um, my dirty unvaxxed ass and my dirty unvaxxed wife's, you know, mm. oh, I was going to say something, but um. I was going to try and be funny. You don't always want to be funny, especially when it's like your wife. Yeah, so, I think she'd prefer you didn't. Yeah, she should, even though she doesn't listen to this. But, um, you know, no one else in the family ever was symptomatic. And I, I only offer that up as, as an anecdotal story about my own experience that, you know, my middle kid will probably have natural immunity now um, mm. because he was positive and he was mildly you know, ill. Um, mm-hmm. And the rest of the family had a chance to get exposed to something that's so dangerous. The masks have to be on their face, you know, because what it, it passes so violently between people, you know, in the yeah. same house, you know, that are using the same bathroom. Um, I mean, my kids aren't aren't good. You know, hand and this is where it's, like, it's an really, attack on the family is what it is. Yeah, isn't it? it feels it's an like attack it. on families. It's an attack on working people. It's ridiculous. I'm sick and tired of it. Yeah. I mean, you look, you make yourself look out of touch. I mean, even if you have not gotten a psychology degree, you probably can recognize that at a basic level, tiny humans need to interact with big humans to learn how to be a big human. You mm. need to be able to look a person in the face, oh, yeah. like have a conversation, see their lips uh, moving, you know, to keep them home sequestered in little rooms in front of laptop computers. Like any person with Ugh. any knowledge of any other people or knows can, 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 give you a story of a kid who's depressed because they can't see their friends of 
of, you know, the way that they're, the other thing I was really scared of also is things that, you know, when you and I went to, to school and we grew up and were younger, we didn't have like this secret extra world we could go into this whole thing of the internet Mm. always having the ipad always having the smartphone i mean this is part of the trans issue it's part of the the social justice issue tumblr the mental health issue they can go unsupervised in so many places on the internet and become like a whole nother person they want talked to by you know any of these other things and a lot of times the parents because they didn't grow up with that technology Mm. and that kind of access they're not even aware of this whole like cyber life and cyber world that kids are building yet you go on youtube go on twitter go where anywhere where actually people are interacting online and it's all kind of like anonymous anonymous accounts it's yeah it's hard to even have a dialogue and yet that they're trained that's the level of dialogue for dealing with other people is you put on your pretty little magic pretend avatar and, and you go on and say shitty things about other people and then laugh is to permissible. yourself anything is permissible on the internet and so there's no there's no boundaries there's no real boundaries i mean what I does mean, it well, teach? That's, that's where the grooming is going to be happening and, and this is where you know lc artson is doing work to assess uh suicidal uh, suicidal ideations within um, the school great. populations there are surveys that, that are now being rolled out um one of the one of the biggest most concerning points of this whole pandemic um, was the realization that I had that um, a county in Nevada uh, was reluctant to talk about a absolute crisis in the amount of suicides that were happening in a, in a, in their county because they were afraid it was going to play into the Trump wanting to reopen schools That's narrative. That's ridiculous. And it, so that I mean that when that came out and they were literally saying that like we didn't want to talk about this, but if you remember that they had to reopen the school on an emergency basis because um, the social isolation that was happening and the and the suicides. I mean I'm mm. talking like I think six or seven suicides in a couple of months yeah. in this one county and, and well, we, all those those stats are also cited in quentin's lawsuit exactly to the county to the city to the mcps all of those that 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 data about children being more depressed and the the, the yes. outcomes for children being worse it's in there and these judges aren't even considering it they're just they're making these ridiculous claims like the judge said that oh you didn't challenge it last year well but they're ignoring it not trying to discredit it which is silver lining and so this will be um an ongoing point of conversation as the municipal elections wrap up today yeah um as as we try and think about what our next couple weeks and months did you predict who was going to win roy you did you say um i didn't make a prediction i just made a conspiracy theory that wasn't (laughs) that good after all you think engen's gonna win i i think engen's probably gonna win do we think any um conservative candidates the ones that are more maybe associated with the conservative side of the the political sphere um we have people like tom taylor who's run like a virtually non-existent campaign um i don't even know i, really I, what I will this guy tell looks you like. i um, still believe if you're in montana i've seen it done several times now if you go knock almost every door if you go talk to people face to face they will cross party and vote for you especially if the other side is not doing that work yeah. so mm. that's any race up and down the ballot that's a great I, tip. I would tell you uh I don't know how they ran their campaigns. That's the reason I became so interested in Elder's campaign after hearing them the first time and then seeing there was no campaign, basically. Mm. Uh, there was a selfie campaign, and that selfie underneath the Reserve Street Bridge, I mean, oh wow. Oh, my gosh. That was a crazy photo. Selfie. It was like, it was like hey, I, I've met a homeless person one Wait. time. I was like, I haven't oh. seen this. Let me find it. Oh yeah, man, yeah. you gotta find it. It's great. No, he took he took selfies everywhere, and it's it's interesting because I was um I was talking to uh, a guy at the pawn shop, 
And this guy at the pawn shop was a very early supporter of Jacob Elder and called him out on Facebook about going and taking selfies and not coming in. And and to Elder's credit, he did um, follow up and, and went and, and talked to the guy in person. Um, so so there were some Facebook criticisms that apparently Jacob Elder responded to like an actual candidate huh. um, and followed up and talked to someone in person. I, I think he probably had a better indication this guy was a supporter and not like a troll. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's, it's interesting because I don't know if any other candidate has ever had a Facebook group um, called blocked by you know name I of know. candidate yeah. um, but the really what what this young candidate did was I think maybe an indication of how the Millennials and the Y's and the Z's are gonna be playing politics and it's like it's gonna be on social media and I don't know if there is gonna be that door-knocking ethos that someone like Strandberg has always been a, a big proponent of you know even though he hasn't been a, a successful Shouldn't candidate Greg be but, mayor by now he's probably knocked more doors in those wards than yeah yeah and then the, people think, who served for years and then moved away to Idaho like I, other I, I really council I really do think um, analog type things are going to get cool again. I think there, mm. there will be some kind of backlash against this sort of digital everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping so. You know, if I'm doing some kind of like unauthorized walking tour, I want some millennials to want an experience in the real world and not just some augmented mm. reality situation. Mm. But but I, I wonder because, you know, um, as a parent that's been radicalized now, and I'll tell you that point um, where, where it happened, it was, it was watching my five-year-old look at a, a screen in a Zoom meeting. That's, I think, probably where I just kind of lost my shit a bit. But um, I watch the media that my kids are, are exposed to, right? And so when my little girl's watching a show that starts off with a real person, a real little girl and a real horse. And then she's got this like digital, like wearable thing. And then mm. um, they enter the augmented reality where they're fairies and they're all, you know, usually looking pretty, pretty hot in their little fairy outfits and stuff. I'm just like, no, yeah. this transhumanist future that really is a part of what this uh, sort of top down globalist uh, centralized power structure is wanting for us. Yeah. Not something that I'm, I'm wanting for my Have kids. Have you ever so. seen that show Caprica? Um, no, Caprica was a spinoff of Battlestar Galactica. Exactly. Dude, exactly. Roy, I love Battlestar Galactica. Dude, it's great. But yeah. you need to watch Caprica, too, because it's this future. It's exactly did, this future. There's a virtual reality future where you can go into this world. That's you right. You can have sex. You can lie. You can kill people. You could do whatever you want. And most people spend 90% of their life in this, and they're on feeding tubes. Or they're just like, what people That's in the right. real world are maintaining them, and they're this underclass of people in that real world too maintaining I mean, it's I, I weird watched, I watched the first couple I watched Reminds the first couple the Met cu- Gala <laughs> totally. I watched the first couple episodes of that um, because there is there is a woman, mm. right? She dies. A young girl yes. dies, but she her her sort of like avatar is still sort of an. Ex- a That's presence, right. right. That's right. And her father is obsessed with this, so it does get into like even the family side of it, like yep. the father not being able to let go because he has this virtual reality version of his daughter, and it's that's very sad, you know. And the, I can't imagine being a father and losing your daughter but then having this this virtual reality world that you could tempt it be tempted to go into to sate that desire in your heart instead of letting her die and being joyful have you that- seen uh devs on hulu or Ooh, that's FX? another thing that i need to see no. very similar storyline really? you should check it out okay well well, you know, as as Day of the Dead um, was yesterday and kind of going through today, um, maybe this can be sort of a, a, a point to um, wrap it up. Because I, I think, I mean, you're, Roy, you're hitting on something that's like very core to um, what is happening right now. And, and so much of that is fear of death. Like Donnie Darko is mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies. And, and that has this this fear component. 
Um, and the the show that we talked about at one point, or I at least wrote something about, uh, Midnight Mass. Um, Midnight Mass has as one of the narratives in it, um, basically the the pastor's inability to to re- reconcile a childhood experience of watching his his sister die of polio and suffer, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this idea of suffering and death and, uh, you know, just Lord, why would you create this world in which this happens? And it, it, it feels like so much of what is happening is this kind of reaction to this fear of death, um, a, a materialistic Western culture that, that hasn't been able to accept that things end mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and stuff reborn. You know, this is part of a cycle of life. And, um, you know, as we are moving into fall and into those dark months, you know, it might be something to just kind of think about that. Um, you know, we don't get to, to, to have new beginnings without having conclusions and endings. And and we all do die. That's something that's common ground that we all are going to face that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe people need to grow the fuck up a bit and mm-hmm. realize that um, death is a reality. And until that happens, how you live is a choice you get to make. Mm-hmm. So you can live in fear of that eventual ending, or you can find ways to find meaning in the time that you have here. Wasn't that a nice little sentiment? Mm, I don't know. I <laughs> we're very close to the precipice of immortality. If you read like Ray Kurzweil, he says if you can live twenty more years, then we're gonna have the nanobots that we just shoot in and they just constantly yeah, repair your body. I've, I've got I've got some arrays books because I have a whole subsection in my library of what the crazy fuckers are trying yeah. to do. It would and get so... fucked up just like they fucked up the vaccine because it's only isolating one spike on the pro on on the virus, one spike protein on the virus, so it'll be hyper specific just like that is, and it'll fuck up our immune system somehow. It, yeah, I don't it, trust the technologists at all, and I can't wait until it all falls apart. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's bullshit. I mean, Elon Musk got to space, and every what, car and, company what, in the what, U.S. has announced it, in the past. what good has it done? What good has it done? Well, I, if you really do believe in the whole thing of climate change, uh, it looks like they're trying very hard to get us on this electric thing. I mean, Ford, GM, they're all announcing, and then yeah. 10 years from now, they won't sell any gasoline cars. We don't even cars. have so, enough, so Tim, there's, not, there's not enough lithium. There's not even enough lithium in well, the world for these batteries. So what is the realistic thing here? Sorry to be No, 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 yeah. no, no. This is great. This is great. Yeah. Um, next week. No, we, I don't disagree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. The, the barrier just, at this point in time is battery weight. If they can find yeah. a much lighter way to store energy than the big lithium metals you know um, we're gonna yeah, have to graphene. get we're gonna have to get into into some spiritual occult topics in the in the coming weeks so that you are better um better Although aware raised, the mayor stuff will be over so i guess we'll have to have to find new stuff to talk about depending <laughs> who the new mayor is there's gonna there's gonna be plenty of stuff to talk about um i we never seem to lack for for uh topics of conversation um, it's so corrupt there's gonna be yeah, plenty no. for you guys to talk about. Yeah, hey, you know, I would love to see Jacob Elder win today. I'm not saying I, I, I can guess whether it will happen. I do think it's not completely a foregone conclusion, though. Yeah. There's enough. I mean, fuck, people said Trump wasn't going to win, right? I was told for two months straight Trump had no fucking chance. Media outlets well, literally came out and it said, you are a conspiracy theorist if you believe there's Trump any chance an Trump will constitu- win. an actual constituency. Jacob Elder does not have a constituency that Donald Trump has. Well, you know what I mean? He, he has doesn't. a bunch of... I, anyone who just paid their tax bill might be a Jacob Elder voter. You're so. right. You're right. Totally. <laughs> I can see that. Well, we will, I mean, we will every, see. We, we as adults 
I mean, as 40-year-old adults have had plenty of elections in our time where all the choices were shitty. So oh, yeah. this is the first time we had to choose between, you know, giant douche and turd sandwich. You know, I, but I'm still proud of my first vote that I ever cast because um, a long time ago, a long time ago, solely because of the compelling... Uh, nature of Dana Carvey and how he he um, um, sort of like took this character. Ross Perot was my first vote cast mm. in a presidential election, and I still love his ears. <laughs> I love his twang. You're a Democrat traitor. Um, Is it, you remember yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, no, not totally. But I, I was 18. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Well, I still don't really know what I'm doing. But Tim, you helped me understand the broader picture. Roy, you've helped me understand that. Um, that new blogs can be launched and that, uh, you know, there is a space for objective reporting and using good information. Um, and there's a space for a gonzo crazy person like me to stand up in my fantastic black outfit. Um, and there maybe hopefully will be less space for, um, gutless people who are trying to do things in ways that, um, really isn't furthering constructive dialogue. So, Maybe on that, we will end this election special episode of Zoomtown. We will be back next Tuesday. Um, so make sure you stay tuned. And if you want to reach out to me, my email is willskink at yahoo.com. That's W-I-L-L-S-K-I-N-K at yahoo.com. Hit us up. We want to keep conversations going. Until next time.